You're listening to Foreseeable, a production of Globalization, the flagship digital platform of Singapore's Lee Kuan Yew School of Public Policy. Each episode, we invite an expert for a conversation relating to their area of expertise and to find out what they foresee happening in the future. Homelessness exists in Singapore. That's the first thing that senior research fellow at the Lee Kuan Yew School of Public Policy, Dr. Ng Kok Ho, told me when we had a chance to discuss the topic. And it's true. They're just less visible. It's often difficult to distinguish a homeless person from any other member of the public for a variety of reasons that we'll get into. Dr. Ng and his team issued a first-of-its-kind report, Homeless in Singapore, Results from a Nationwide Street Count, in November of 2019. They estimated then that there were between 921 and 1,050 street homeless people in Singapore. Since then, the COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic has become a global problem. Singapore announced a stringent set of measures called a circuit breaker on April 7, 2020, designed to curb the spread of the virus. Singaporeans are urged to stay indoors whenever possible, and access to public spaces has been tightly controlled. This has complicated the homeless situation, as rough sleepers are urged to move to shelters that are struggling to cope with the situation. And as Dr. Ng pointed out in a recent interview on Channel News Asia, many of Singapore's homeless people have low-wage jobs in the retail and services industries, which have been some of the hardest hit by the pandemic. This conversation was recorded on the 15th of October, 2019. Can you start just by describing homelessness in Singapore? The first thing to say would be that homelessness exists in, in Singapore. Mm-hmm. I say this because for a long time, it was something that was not uh, widely acknowledged. Homelessness is also fairly widespread in Singapore, and it can be found in most public housing estates, as well as some uh, commercial districts in the central part of Singapore. Sometimes people ask whether homelessness is obvious, whether it can be seen here. And I'd say you would see it if you look. And by that, I mean that sometimes it's concealed because for many reasons, homeless persons tend to be quite vigilant and they do what they can to avoid detection. So, so sometimes they, they try to find some sort of privacy where they can. But sometimes they sleep in fairly exposed places. Uh, it's just that when we walk past, it doesn't register. So in that sense they are a fairly invisible uh, population. Mm-hmm. I, I did notice that compared to, to some other cities, the, the homeless population here are less likely to be seen begging or panhandling. Uh, they also tend to have less bedding or thick clothing with them mm-hmm. compared to, say, uh, homeless people in colder climates. Okay. So, so in terms of their appearance, possessions, physical settings, it, it may not always be apparent who is a homeless person in Singapore. I'm glad you explained that because just my frame of reference is, I mean, I've lived in cities and I've visited other cities where homelessness is quite visible and you recognize homeless people right away and you see the other either begging and they have their belongings with them and it's quite obvious. So yeah, it's, it's a bit surprising that it can exist here without being very visible to the casual observer. Yeah. Yeah. What are some of the causes of homelessness Mm. in Singapore? In general, when we think about homelessness in, in any city, I think there are three main main causes. The first would be poverty and economic disadvantage. The second would be some sort of loss of social resources or the breakdown of social support. 
And then finally, you would be some sort of barrier to accessing housing services. Mm-hmm. These three factors, so poverty, social resources, and housing services, they, are, they, they mirror kind of the, the classic welfare mix of market, family, and state in the welfare state. So while that is generally true in, in many places, the specific experience of this these conditions and, and the way they interact always reflect the local circumstances and in a way where and how cracks open up uh, in, in each society. So in Singapore, the poverty experienced by many homeless people has to do with low-wage work because most homeless people in, in Singapore are, are older. In fact, older men. Um, so it has to do with low-wage work among older workers in Singapore. This is a widely documented and a much-discussed problem that we are still grappling with. Older workers in Singapore have a skills disadvantage compared to younger workers. There's a lack of wage protection in general and, and a lot of competition for, for some manual jobs. Low-wage work in Singapore's context also tends to be insecure work, uh, meaning they don't know when work will be available and when it wouldn't. That means that income is also irregular. Mm-hmm. So they have no means of predicting when is the next time they'll be paid or, or how much they would be. I, I also became aware of the fact that low-wage work sometimes also means working odd hours. So the implication of that is that these people will be working or required to go to work at a time when public transport is no longer running. So to travel by other means to and from work will be very expensive. So to some of them, the most practical option would be to find uh, a public place quite near to their workplace mm-hmm. and, then, and then just to sleep there for a, for a few hours. Mm-hmm. So low-wage work you know, exposes them to the, the risks of uh, homelessness in, in all of these ways. In terms of social resources, we, we see from the research that uh, many of them have experienced family conflict. And as a result of that, uh, have been ejected from, from the family home. Um, and because most Singaporeans live in public housing, where allocation and access to, to public housing is based on quite, quite kind of fairly narrowly defined family norms. So when someone is, can no longer live in the family home, they also begin to have problems accessing other housing options within the public housing sector. So for instance, someone whose name is still registered under a certain flat, if he's no longer able to live there, will find that he cannot access a second unit of public housing. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, the issue of social resources. And then finally, when it comes to housing services, the third factor, the main issue here is, is the public rental housing system. So this is subsidized uh, public housing or social housing as uh, as we refer to it in most other places, there is a very limited supply of public rental housing in Singapore and difficulties as well with accessing it. Over the years, it has been, it has been discussed and also documented. One of the contributing factors to homelessness is in fact inadequate housing standards within the public rental housing sector where single persons under current housing rules are required to share a uh, a small flat with no separate bedrooms with another unrelated person. Right? Mm-hmm. So to share a space of about 30-odd square meters with a complete stranger. Mm-hmm. This creates a lot of opportunities for conflict. And some of the homeless people we've met have said that uh, they have either found it difficult to live in such conditions or, or do not want to. Mm-hmm. Would it be true that there are some people that perhaps could 
afford a rental property, but there's there's not a space for them? Or is it more likely that they were in the system, tried it, and, and didn't like it or couldn't couldn't conform to the system? Mm. With the public rental housing system in Singapore, cost is normally not an issue mm-hmm. because rents are heavily subsidized. The issue often tends to be the, the lack of privacy due to, to the lack of space, right? Mm-hmm. So that tends to be an issue. Some of the homeless people we've met have tried it before and said that it doesn't work for them. Others have heard about it from their friends and, and do not think that it will work out. In your research, what have you found about how do homeless people cope and survive with the difficulties in Singapore? Mm. The main strategy for coping or the main reason many of them uh, can manage living in, in, in public spaces is that most of them are working and therefore they are economically independent although they may not be earning enough to, to afford uh, more stable housing than the way they are, they are living at the moment. So that's, that's the first way they, they are working. The second thing we discovered is that uh, many homeless people here do in fact maintain contact with family and friends. So they stay in touch and, and in fact they, they remain quite connected to their geographical communities. They often continue to find a spot to sleep in the neighbourhood where they used to live. So they do, do not move off very far. Uh, I suppose that means it's possible to occasionally meet friends and get a bit of help. Others form networks with other homeless people that they find and then they learn to, to look out for each other. Other helpful things are, of course, the outreach groups, of which there are several, and shelter services. Of course, many homeless people also regularly access uh, services like medical care and financial assistance. All these are, are very important it's equally important to stress that not all of them are doing doing well. Right? They face many hardships. There is, a, there is a proportion among the homeless population who have persistent health conditions. Some are not eating well. They do not eat, eat uh, three meals a day. So problems with nutrition. Other common problems that they've reported include theft. They lose their things a lot. Things get stolen in, a, in, in the night when they are asleep. They face the problem of being checked by the police when, when they visit, who ask to look at the NRIC and, and ask them why they are there. Sometimes as a result of these checks, they are asked to move on and then they would just find another space not so far away. So, so it, it doesn't really address the issue at all, but they, they have to find another spot. So as a result, many of them are quite wary about making contact with, with members of the public. Mm-hmm. Do you have figures on how large the, the scale of the homeless problem is? In 2017, that was the first time we tried to measure the scale of homelessness. So for a long time, it was not measured. The 2017 study in which I was involved, we conducted a count in 20-odd certainty sites on known locations. So that year, we found 180 homeless people. So this year uh, was the first time we conducted a nationwide count. Mm -hmm. And we found between 900 and 1,000 homeless people sleeping in public spaces. Wow, okay. And can you, can you describe the different kinds of efforts that are being made to address the problem? You've touched on a few of them, but can you help us understand the different sources of help and, and the different methods that are being attempted? Outreach groups are a really important uh, source of help for, for this population. They are dedicated they, they, and they are growing in size and, and some of them are entirely run by volunteers, uh, which is quite remarkable. So they play the important role of walking the ground, kind of gathering 
intelligence and and building up their their store of knowledge about where to find homeless people and how to engage them. So between these outreach groups, they provide very precious befriending services, and they also do referrals. So they help to connect homeless people to to more formal uh, and professional services. So so that's the first uh, sort of effort uh, to help homeless people. The second is of course several shelter options. They offer kind of stays of different durations. Particularly interesting and important development has been new shelter initiatives that that were initiated by by the Catholic churches. They are now opening up spaces mm. to to serve as overnight shelters. So traditionally, most of the available shelters require some sort of commitment from the residents who wish to stay inside. So they're expecting some sort of commitment to stay for a particular duration and for people to want to work on their problems and so on. So the gap in, in the many of services has exactly been kind of emergency or overnight shelters with very few questions asked. Mm-hmm. They would just allow people to, to tide over for the time being and, and to, to regain some stability. Those are the main services, outreach and shelters. We see also in the past year, greater support from the government for, for these services and also more collaboration between the agencies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You made me think of another question. Did your research show anything about the duration that people are homeless, mm. is it temporary for some people or is it more likely that they, once they become homeless, they remain homeless till the end of their lives? Mm, that's a great question. I said that because going into the research, that was one of the questions we, we, we could not kind of predict and answer for. We just had no idea. So one of the most surprising findings from the research is in fact that the majority of the people we encountered had been living in a public place for a long time. So we're talking more than two years, and some of them have been living outside for, for, for more than 10 years. Wow. So it's, it's fairly long term. And within that period of time, however, not all of them are sleeping outside every day. So over the course of a week or within a month, they may move between different housing arrangements, perhaps sometimes at the workplace and then a few days in a week outside. So, so persistent in the long run, but also extremely volatile and and unstable within the short run. Mm-hmm. And w- what is the policy view on homelessness? You know, how does it view homeless people, especially since, as you uh, mentioned, on paper they may have a flat, but they're not able to live there. So how is it? How are how are they counted or accounted for? Mm. I think in the policy landscape, homelessness occupies a very awkward position. I say that because. When it comes to housing, the primary strategy, the primary policy strategy in Singapore has been to encourage ownership. So when someone has their name attached to a, a flat and yet is unable to access it, it's almost as if the, the system freezes and doesn't quite know what to do because this is this is a homeowner. Mm-hmm. And yet because of kind of intangible social reasons, they can no longer access their housing. It's awkward to housing policy but quite straightforward when we look at the international housing literature where definitions of homelessness are always attached to the notion of access uh, rather than ownership or legal occupancy rights. Mm-hmm. The literature always says that someone is homeless when they're unable to access right, an adequate housing option. So the policy strategy has changed over time and, and has also been mixed. On the one hand, if we look at kind of the legalistic view of homelessness, 
the main kind of legal framework for thinking about homelessness is a piece of legislation called the Destitute Persons Act. It's quite an old piece of legislation which is reflected in the language in the Act that still refers to uh, vagrancy. Right? It's not language that we often use in, mm-hmm. in, in, in daily life. If you look at the intent of the Act, it is a mix of wanting to provide care for homeless people but also wanting to protect the public from them. So that's what I mean by it's a very kind of mixed approach. And this act is really important because it confers power of involuntary admission to welfare institutions. This causes a lot of anxiety among the homeless population and sometimes makes them very wary of speaking to people Mm -hmm. because at the back of their minds, they're always worrying about involuntary admission, which in practical terms is both care as well as a form of detention. The general approach taken in, in policy terms towards the homeless population has been outreach first, working with voluntary groups on the ground, trying to understand people's situations and finding kind of more, more flexible and immediate solutions, be it to help people connect with their families, to find rental housing or place in a shelter and so on. So the instincts and and the strategy has not been to admit people to the welfare homes as as the first measure. But nonetheless, that that exists Mm -hmm. in the menu of of possibilities. How often does it happen that someone is involuntarily awarded of some kind? Mm. The figures for the the total population in the welfare homes publicly disclose. I don't remember them, but we don't know what that is as a proportion of the people encountered on the streets and mm-hmm. on any one night. But the Act also specifies quite a, a, a very explicit definition of what it means to be destitute. Mm-hmm. So most homeless people actually do not do do not qualify because one of the, the, the criteria mentioned is in the Destitute Persons Act is that they have to be begging. Another criterion is that they, they have no means of subsistence. So like I mentioned, most homeless people in Singapore are not begging mm-hmm. and they're in fact in work. Right? So they do not fall under the ambit of this act and therefore cannot be admitted to the welfare homes. Mm-hmm. The, the issue though is that they do not know that mm-hmm. so that there continues to be anxiety. Okay. Well, what else have you learned in your research that could be used to make better policies or find new solutions for the homeless people in Singapore? I think knowledge about services and, and connections to services is an area where much more can still be done. Outreach services are still growing currently. And like I mentioned, they're mainly voluntary, meaning run by volunteers. There are no publicly funded outreach services catering for the homeless population specifically. This is an area of need because even if uh, good services uh, are available, people need to be connected to them. And the current community-based and publicly funded services are really not equipped to operate night outreach services. So many of them may be there in the community on the ground, but they provide agency-based services that expect people to walk in. Uh, and most homeless people just simply would not. Mm. Another thing that, that I reflected on while doing the research is that given the complexity of problems that homeless people face, shelter services in general I believe should not impose short arbitrary durations of stay uh, just because it takes people time right, to, to get to grips with, with the sort of issues they're facing. Mm-hmm. I think there is also scope to develop a different type of shelters. I mentioned earlier, overnight shelters right, with, with very low barriers to entry mm-hmm. and with immediate availability. I think that is an area where if we compare the services that are currently available in Singapore as opposed to other countries is where we are fairly lacking. 
The problems with public rental housing are often discussed. I think if they are fixed, it can provide a, a very important exit route from, from homelessness. So that means having an adequate supply, making sure that rental housing policies meet uh, basic standards of, of privacy. A mm-hmm. uh, final area where I think policy can improve is of course the Destitute Persons Act. It, it causes anxiety towards public agencies, suspicion towards outreach workers, and it can prevent people from getting the help they need. I think that a revision of this act or, or clarification of its application to, to the homeless population will be, will be very helpful. Mm-hmm. And how old is that act? When was it enacted? If I'm not wrong, it's the 1960s. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask you if there's anything that other countries or cities could learn from the Singapore homeless situation. But, but first I wanted to ask you, are there any other countries or cities that you think are doing a good job that, that you would recommend people learn from? Mm. This is a tough question to, to answer because if we look at the papers, very often we'll see reports of cities and local governments struggling with this issue. All the major cities are, London is, New York is, and I'm not sure if a kind of a very universally applicable set of solutions has been found, mm-hmm. but certain practices are helpful though. One thing is of course to, to conduct research such as counts regularly to help us develop our understanding of this population, also help us to monitor our progress uh, on our policy goals. Other kind of services that, that local governments are trying, uh, for example, programs that, that prioritize getting people into stable housing before kind of uh, introducing them to other social work services to address underlying issues. Many different things are being tried. Uh, in fact, Singapore is fairly young in trying to, to tackle the problem of, of homelessness. And, and there is still a lot of space for homelessness services to grow. In fact, I would say that Singapore needs to, needs to learn from others. Mm-hmm. And over time, as services grow and the network and coordination between the services improve, then a lot more can be, can be achieved. For example, in the area of data sharing. In places where services are mature and comprehensive, counts don't always need to be conducted because just exchanging and, 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 and merging the databases of different service providers can give us a fairly good idea about the scale of homelessness. And finally, what, what do you foresee happening in Singapore? Do you do you foresee the problem getting worse before it gets better? Or uh, do you think that there will be some uh, revisions soon that might make things better? Mm. I think prediction always feels uh, like yeah. a bit of a dangerous business. Mm-hmm. But I would say that if we, if, if, if we look at the, the way work is changing at the moment, right? so the, the upheavals in, in the nature of work and the risks of insecure work, even among younger people in Singapore, I think this problem of homelessness may not fade away with time or even after the current cohort with older people. And this is, this is worth stressing because sometimes, because just of the, how sharp the trajectory of development has been in Singapore and the educational gains in successive cohorts over a, a fairly short period of time, we sometimes operate on the assumption that problems would just work themselves out over time, right? Because the younger cohorts have better education, better opportunities and so on. But I think what has been going on uh, around us in recent years remind us not, not, to, not to rely on that, that simple assumption. So if work continues to be a challenge for future generations, then given what we have said about the connections between 
insecure work, poverty and homelessness, then I think we should continue to be to be very vigilant and, and try to do our best mm-hmm. to understand homelessness and to improve the services that, that cater to this population. All right, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. For more information or to subscribe to our newsletter, go to lkyspp.edu.sg forward slash GIA or join our Facebook group at Global Is Asian. That's Global I-S-A-S-I-A-N. <laughs>